welcome to Soberish, the I guess you can continue minding your own business podcast. My name is Jessa. I'm your host. I'm here with Lacey. Hello. We're here to talk more about interdependence. Today we're going to talk about practical interdependence. You got the Bill of Rights last week. Largely people got it, enjoyed it, felt triggered by it, felt seen by it, felt attacked by it. I like it. I felt all of those things as well. It was kind of a black and white framework that we're going to be talking a lot about and um, dissecting as we go along. Interdependence is not a parameter that we've or a set of parameters that we've ever operated with. We are literally changing the entire premise of how we relate to each other from codependency to interdependency. So there's bound to be some things that we're like, oh, we'll just do this one very extreme thing and then have it swing back and realize that it's somewhere in the middle. So thank you for being patient while we all figure this out together. Uh, Lacey and I both do readings for a living and it's been interesting to hear the subject come up a lot in readings, it was already these issues were coming up a lot, which kind of inspired that podcast. It's kind of something that we're all working on. My personal life inspired a lot of it. There's a lot of, a ton of different things. Yeah, it's been wild because I showed up on your doorstep after I left a vampire energy and I showed up very much with the internal energy of I'm a villain. I've done something wrong. I'm a narcissist. Jessa, am I a narcissist? All of these questions swirling around. And really, there's something I like to do when relationships end is break myself down in the relationship because I've had so much um, abandonment in my life. I can't come to terms with abandoning someone myself. So when something ends, I make myself the monster to be able to break that off. And I'm like, am I a narcissist? And you're like, dog, narcissists don't think they're narcissists. And we had kind of a tough conversation around it. And ever since, all of my readings have been me talking people out of their own belief around whether or not they are the narcissist. This whole good, bad dichotomy. So I'm going to break some stuff down. Those of you that have been with me since Mormon and the Meth Head, this time last year, a little after this time last year, there were some discoveries about some of the dynamics that um, Aaron and I had been in that had, uh, he definitely was dealing with a straight up uh, vampire. And um, I, I noticed a tendency in relationships to, to have this kind of thing play out as well. But I have been trying to get away from the word narcissist because when we all found out about it, we all started throwing it around and then we just have these like annoying circular conversations about, well, I've done things like that and I've whatever. I found out about narcissistic personality disorder when my boy, my sister got involved with a guy who um, did the very classic, just completely classic, undeniable narcissism thing where he love bombed her in the beginning studied everything that she cared about pretended to be that and then as soon as he got her like swept her off her feet he started to slowly withdraw from her he started to triangulate her uh, meaning like when you're with somebody and they start pointing out their ex in the beginning typically uh one of these people will talk about how you're so much better than their exes 
and that's part of the love bombing. And we all do that to an extent when we first get together. So you can hear these things and go like, okay, I have uh, had those, I've done those things in relationships before. Because the, the classification doesn't matter as much as identifying when you've been abused and what you need to heal as a result of being abused. He then um, started to do the bring you close and it's they like um, uh, withdrawal. They tend to withdraw sexually sometimes. Um, and that like starts to make you feel, they devalue you. They start to criticize you. They start to tell you things they don't like about you. They start to criticize the way that you dress, the way that you talk. Uh, they start to compare you, triangulate you, um, you know, against their exes. They say, you know, they, they say things that are designed to make you feel bad about yourself. And, um, while they slowly pull away usually is what they do. He would do things like tell her I'm coming over and then just turn off his phone. And he just like systematically broke her down. And then he discarded her. That's another thing that narcissists do. They suddenly dump you and then, uh, and then they come back. And then they suddenly dump you, and then they come back. It just kind of depends on how fast it takes to completely destroy you as a person. Um, that is the a very s oversimplified um, ex explanation of like a relationship with a narcissistic personality disorder. We all have narcissistic traits. When we get involved with a narcissist, um, and ev not everyone's been involved with one. Um, when people get into these relationships, a lot of times when they're, if the, if it goes on for a long time, they're being criticized or devalued for a long time. They can sometimes start to take on the traits of the narcissist in a way as a means to like protect themselves in the relationship. And from the outside, it might seem like just a toxic relationship until you get like out of it. Usually people realize after they've been violently discarded, um, do they realize what has happened? And then there's something called echoists, I think. I haven't read this much about it, but there, it's, there's a whole lot of shit. And like a lot of people think narcissism, like they think codependency is a fear of being alone. They think narcissism is taking a lot of selfies. And these labels are cool for helping someone like you understand that what happened to you in your relationship, I don't care about that person. I don't know that person. I don't need to label that person as having narcissistic personality disorder. I don't need to determine that he is a bad guy in every single situation always for the rest of his life. I don't need to say that he is 100% in fault at fault for this dynamic. As your friend and someone who cares about you, I do need you to understand that someone telling you god-awful things about yourself in a relationship is not normal and not okay, okay? So we all get, like, we all have attachment damage of some sort. We all get toxic in relationships. We all get nitpicky. It usually comes from a place of your needs not being met, right? So it's like, oh, I want you to spend more time with me. I used to do this to uh, my last boyfriend. Uh, you know, I was having some kind of attachment fucking meltdown, and since I didn't feel safe or comfortable being, like, hey, would you possibly want to hang out with me more? Which would be the healthy way to do that, right? Not, you need to hang out with me more. I never felt entitled to that. Instead, I would uh, act like I was mad that we weren't getting work done or like we're, something's not being done around the house when it's like, actually, I'm just trying to dominate your time right now, which is like may or may not be bad, whatever. But to tell you that you are unattractive or you are bad 
or you are not, you don't look good enough, you don't act good enough, people don't really like you, people talk about you behind your back, that is abuse. For someone to talk to you like that is abuse. I don't give a fuck what that person is. I don't need to define him in every other area of his life. You shouldn't have a long list of like deep, uh, like who you are at your core if your partner is telling you a lot of things are wrong with you, that you have a lot of deficiencies, like at your core, who you are as a person, I don't know. You're going to have to, you're going to have a really hard time convincing me that that's okay or that that's how relationships are supposed to be because they're not. You are who the fuck you are. I have the option of being in this relationship with you or not being in this relationship with you. I do not have the right to be in a relationship with you and then tell you that the way that you breathe is wrong, the way that you talk is wrong. I don't like the kind of clothes you wear. You're not tan enough. You're not thin enough. I want you to uh, do these things. You don't do these things right. You don't love me right. You see the difference? That's like I'm taking things from you. And sometimes when I do these episodes, it's about you, the person, Lacey, have a vampire connection with someone. I don't care who he is in his own movie. Who is he in your movie? Totally. Yeah. The biggest epiphany I've had during this quarantine is that we're all living in our own video games. And I think a, a lot of people in this community are already conducting and living life that way, knowing that they're in control of their video game. But... For me, I thought we shared general rules in our video game and that we all needed to play by these general rules. And the thing that smacked me in the face in quarantine is when I started trying to control my brother's video game. Um, COVID started happening. My brother works at Target, and I wanted to step in and be his hero. I felt in my body that COVID was dangerous. COVID scared me. I wanted to protect myself. I felt like it was parasitic energy and that it was going to fuck with the gods. And I had this like very in-depth fear system going on around COVID. That doesn't mean that fear system was bad and it doesn't mean it was right or wrong. In my video game, the role I'm playing my guides told me I needed to be protected from the virus at first, that I needed to go in deep social isolation. So I wanted to fly over to my brother and be his hero and put him in deep social isolation too. But my brother is queer, he's in a wheelchair, and him being in isolation looks a lot different than Lacey being in isolation. Um, I get to do readings for a living. I get to talk to magical people all day long. If my brother is in complete social isolation, he's stuck in a wheelchair alone in an apartment. He doesn't get to go on dates. He doesn't get to flirt with people. He doesn't get to have that social human interaction. And I flew to his apartment and I was like, you're not working at Target anymore. You, ca you can be abundant. You're spiritual, man. Like you can have anything you want. Fuck this big corporation. And he was like, get the fuck out of my life right now. Wow. I love you, Lacey. But this is my world. And how dare you fucking put rules and parameters on my world? And then I, then I kind of turned into a victim for a second. Like, oh, I have to leave my brother behind and he doesn't get my spiritual experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this man, this is I... the split. This is the split. 
<laughs> and it took me really like a week to be, and him just being so consistent with his own boundaries, man. I'm so I love that impressed with his boundaries, even with me. And I'm, and I'm like, I can't sleep at night, and I'm crying, and I'm like, am I like my mom? Is he, is my brother bad? Am I bad? Wh- who's the bad one in this situation? Because we're so addicted to someone being the bad one and after a week of him being like you know what Lacey if you think I should be isolated you don't actually understand my experience and if you don't really understand my experience enjoy your life sister (laughs) who's taking care of me and I was like okay fine that lasted like 24 hours and then I was like fuck I love you And I felt like my guides were like, we are all in our own video game. No one, including you, Lacey, can step into someone else's video game and tell them what the rules are in their video game. Because in my video game, I want him to self-actualize. He's done, he's such a good manifester. He's like been on Chelsea lately. He's been on stage a lot. Like he gets to travel. So I'm like, why is he letting a corporation suck his soul but in his video game he's the hero at that corporation he isn't a martyr or suffering he has his friends there his community there and that might not be forever but right now that is his place and I must honor his video game I love that I love this process also um I hope that too many people aren't dealing with Oh shit. This we have to get away from good guy, bad guy shit. You are I'm the bad guy in at least five people that I can count right now. I am so the bad guy in their stories right now that they are probably talking about me while I'm recording this. There are people who uh wanted to be super connected to me in a way that I wasn't comfortable with anymore and I tried to set boundaries with them and was like I don't um but they were people who for years I didn't want to be that connected to them, didn't want to be connected in that way, but couldn't speak up and because I didn't want to look bad, okay? I didn't want to be there. It wasn't a resonant thing for me. It didn't make me comfortable. I didn't want to be in that connection. And rather than saying, I don't want to be in that connection, I just kept doing it. And then that person, I think, could kind of feel that I didn't want to be in that connection, and they kept helping me. And they don't know this, but from like, a subconscious place they were trying to secure their position because uh every time they helped me or did something kind for me it did in my head go well now I can never get out because they did this and this likewise this time last year I was piling help onto somebody in a subconscious attempt to secure my position with them we're all doing this we're all enmeshed in this way I'm not saying be a selfish piece of shit who never helps anybody what I'm saying is stop trying to stop doing things you don't want to do. There are a million people in the world that you will naturally want to help. When you let yourself off the hook, this idea that like if we let ourselves off the hook and we stop holding everyone accountable for quote unquote selfishness uh, is this erroneous Christian belief that like if not completely policed, we would all just turn into gluttons and monsters. The truth is, if you let yourself off the hook, you might have a selfish couple of minutes and some clunky fucking boundary setting, and then you're going to realize, like, what makes me happy is helping people. But how about I get to pick who I help? 
How about I get to do it out of the kindness of my heart? Not even the kindness of my heart, just because it makes me, it, it brings me joy to help people. It does not bring me joy to let people in my space or to, or to give to people who feel um, entitled to it or because they did something for me, so it's a tit for tat, fucking I owe you something. None of that feels good. These energy exchanges don't feel good. And what we're trying to get to the reason that we have to learn how to set these boundaries and stop letting people in our space that we don't want in our space and stop giving things to people so we can look like the good guy is so that we can learn how to create reality. You have to like pack light. There can't be a ton of baggage and all this enmeshment, your, your obsession with controlling other people's timelines or your obsession with looking like the good guy on other people's timelines is what is holding you back because you're, 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 every time you do that, you're tethering to someone else's timeline. There are other people who think I'm the villain right now and I think they're the villain. I know in the grand scheme of things, I'm their bad guy, they're my bad guy. It doesn't fucking matter. In my perception, they've, they've, I was trying to be nice, I was trying to be cool, but a life decision of mine uh, affected them. And so in their mind, they have the right to cross over into my boundaries and stalk me on the fucking internet and send me harassing messages. And in my mind, I get to be hilarious and subtweet you. I don't know. <laughs> Those are like, uh, I'm defending myself in my mind, but I'm sure in their mind, they feel somehow they're defending themselves because my, my decisions affected them. You know, I didn't make the decision to, to affect them. It just is what happens in life sometimes. But I just had to become okay with like, all these people think I'm the bad guy. That's fine. Sometimes I think they're the bad guy. I mean, for the most part, I'm like, this is just the nuance of human interaction. I've been having nuanced human interactions long enough to know that like, most likely we'll play different roles in each other's lives at some point. But um, this good, bad, right, wrong, light, dark, male, female was all part of the thing, right? And I remember when they said right and wrong, when they said right and wrong doesn't exist, the first thing we always think is, are you saying rape isn't wrong? You know what I mean? We always jump to the most extreme fucking thing. When in reality, I think as we start to let go of these nuanced things, where if you take two people who are in a relationship and you hear both sides of the story, you're going to have a, I'm sure if I spoke to the person who I'm saying in your life played an abuser to you, I'm sure that he would have a lot of compelling things where you were his abuser. And you know what? Neither one of you has to be fucking right. What has to happen though, is this relationship has to end. You two have to get out of each other's lives and you have to deal with the wounding that happened as a result of that relationship. And healing that wounding doesn't need to involve like an an over-focus on this person being a bad person. Most likely, the reason you put up with that is because that's one of your stories. Right. Because a healthy, healed person, you tell them that they're uh, ugly and no one likes them and they're a liar and they're a fraud, and they go, uh, wow, yeah, I don't, can you go <laughs> away? And that's it, right? Yeah. I'm like, can you hang out for seven years? <laughs> um. I think when we look at ourselves and at our bodies, we believe we're this person now on this timeline. When in my readings, a lot of the work we do is acknowledging that there's multiple timelines simultaneous, simultaneously existing. And who we are, were as an eight-year-old still exists today. And when I was quarantined, and felt very trapped in one bedroom with a man, my eight-year-old self entered my avatar hardcore. And when I was eight, 
around eight to 10, my mom got a new boyfriend and they got a Harley and they would leave for days on bike runs. And I'd be left with my dad who would do drugs in the basement and nobody would dress me during the day. And I'd wear a big shirt and underwear and feel so fucking gross and so trapped inside. And I would, my dad would lock himself in the basement and literally lock the door. And I remember these feelings of being ugly and gross and ugly and gross. And sometimes we don't realize the thoughts in our head are, are us on other timelines. So that ugly, gross thought was playing in my head. And then I was with a man who was locking himself away from me. And then he called me ugly and gross. And I was like, oh, shit, that is my dad. And I'm playing out a wound from a timeline when I was eight years old right now because this circumstance triggered that wound. And he is the, the vampire in the situation. Does that mean he's going to be an awful person in everyone's life forever? No. But what I do know is he was sucking my energy and feeding the words of like the perpetrator in my life. And it's a beautiful thing because seeing that is like data information of what is still to heal. Right. So now here's where the shit gets tricky. And and here's the thing about having a podcast that is about defining higher dimensional reality is the shit gets the higher and higher you get, the greater the perspective and the more paradoxes there are here. So this is why it is not this or that. It is this and that. A lot of my format is giving you kind of motivational sp- speeches to kind of break you out of a particular type of programming but then you we're always going to circle back like the awakening process itself is finding out you're the biggest piece of shit and then the next day realizing that you're actually great and then realizing that you're god and then realizing that you're the devil it's it's this kind of spiral of things so all of these things exist at the same time what we need to focus on right now as people who are flying a plane remember we talked about this i think in the tower um or maybe a new map. Reality used to be kind of other people's reality had a bigger effect on your reality because we were all so enmeshed. And now we are becoming gods who, and by gods I mean autonomous beings who create their own reality, who are co-creating, which means I am creating my own reality based on my own parameters, based on my own desires and my own destiny, if you want to believe in that. And I am moving in this direction. You, as long as you resonate while completely 100% doing what you want to do, I can hear people when I say that, just imagining the most selfish possible scenarios. That's just not who you actually are. That comes from the belief that we are bad. And if we don't tell each other what to do, everyone's going to go be a piece of shit. In reality, if you disconnected from that one person in your life who feels overly entitled to you and makes you feel guilty all the time and pushes you around and tells you that you are deficient and not good enough, you would have the energy to help 10 people. And that's probably what you would do with it. Totally. Because if you've gotten to this level of the game, things don't matter to you. I don't give a fuck about things. I don't give a fuck about status. I don't care what I look like. Sometimes I care what I look like. Obviously not (laughs) a lot. Have you seen me on social media? I care about changing, like I genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, the things that make me excited 
are changing the world, changing the paradigm, fighting for the underdog. These are like, these are the, the characters that like excite me to play. And so that's like what I want to do. And the amount of energy I have to do that from like a pure place is so much higher now that I'm not feeding someone. Because what happens when, when people tell you that you have to give them things or that you have to stay in a dynamic with them? Then the whole time you're in the dynamic with them, they're like, you're not loving me right. You're not taking care of me right. You're not paying attention to me. It's an endless hamster wheel. Yeah. And when I do readings with people, I hear and see the struggle of them being like, Lacey, am I the narcissist or are they the narcissist? Am I the abuser or are they the abuser? And one thing we unravel and come to is how does your energy feel around that person? Are they sucking your energy? When you're around a vampire, you will be more physically tired. You'll be physically drained. I know with me, I get, I start walking on eggshells and being like, is this right? Is that right? Uh, do they need more space? Do they, do I need to be more loving? And it's just this nonstop questioning. And I also am very aware that you can watch how the video games change when that person is in your video game. When a vampire is in your video game, you'll feel like you're bl it blocks your blessings in a lot of ways. And it, dr it drains your energy so you can't be that autonomous being. When I release my vampire, it's like magic starts popping up everywhere. And then when I get back to them, the worst version of myself comes out so and it's, this is all about how much can we love ourselves and how do we allow the best versions of ourselves come to fruition um another example because i can also hear like vampire everybody is whatever the fuck they are and then they're playing several different roles that's why sometimes when you know someone to be a piece of shit and everyone else likes them you know um, I feel like knowing about narcissism and relationships is helpful for identifying places where you've been abused. And I noticed that people get very focused on figuring out, well, were they the good guy? Was I the bad guy? Was I, you know, I recommend that everyone read the book whole again. Um, I think, you know, I say general sweeping things like, um, narcissists aren't sitting around trying to figure out if they're narcissists which is I mean the hardcore narcissists that I know they don't consider that for a second um but I do think yeah of course you probably displayed behaviors in relationships in the past I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that the relationship I was in last I was his vampire I he'd been like narcissistically abused before and this is like uh on the other podcasts but early in the relationship, I wasn't honest about what I wanted and tried to be cool. And as a result, was trying to hide the fact that I wanted more. I was hiding it for myself. Also, I couldn't feel my feelings at the beginning of uh, 2017, 2018. And so what ended up happening was this like toxic relationship kind of push-pull thing. It's a big twin flame thing. And by the end, for some, like, in or instead of, I did eventually get to this when I found out I was codependent, but rather than admit to myself, like, you want something more than this person is capable of giving you. You're living in what's called a fantasy bond where I'm like, oh, if he would just, then I could just. And I'm making it his fucking problem because I can't admit to myself, like, oh, 
I am clingy. I do have these needs. I'm not, a, I'm not cool enough to be your friend. I don't have that together. So I made it his problem. And I'm like, you're being distant. You're, you know, we'd be in these fucking cycles of, I can't, you know, like, are you mad at me? But I'm doing it in a way that's like holding him hostage. Then he asks for space. And I tell him that the space is hurting my feelings and all this shit. That's all 100% my problem. Now, there are other things in the relationship that, like, uh, I focused on. And this time last year, we were going through a breakup. And um, what I tried on for a little bit was that the whole thing was his fault. I tried that on. I, uh, I'm sure it was just a, a stage of guilt. I tried it on again later. Um, and uh, I felt fucking worse than ever, you know? It was like, I'm not happy, and it's your fault that I'm not happy, which is different than what you're doing, which is like trying to heal from like an abusive connection where you think you're the bad guy. And uh, I didn't get anywhere, just more fucking pain. And when I finally tried on the truth, which is at any point I had the right to say I'm not capable of having this dynamic and I had the, r and I had the right to take responsibility for my own happiness and not make it someone else's problem. So long as it was someone else's problem, I was in excruciating pain. If someone wants to be close to you, they're going to be close to you. If someone wants to hang out with you, they're going to hang out with you. I personally cannot fucking handle it when someone's like, oh, are you going to look up for your phone and hang out with me right now? And it's like, I never talk like that. But <laughs> I, like when there are the person that I'm talking about would do that shit to me. And it's like, I'm hiding in my phone because you're holding me. Like, I don't want to be here. We And like, uh, I might want to be here of my own accord if I wasn't being pressured and guilted, but I'm having a natural reaction to pressure and guilt. And, and your answer to that is to uh, accuse, and we've all done this, accuse me of, of being bad or deficient or not good at love or whatever. I'm just like, I'm just having a response. This is the kind of shit that I'm talking about. Like these yeah. enmeshments and we all do this and you can both have been someone's vampire and be, a victim of a van like I don't even like the word victim we have to get away from this narrative the bottom line is if the relationship drains your energy stop being in the relationship if the connection drains your energy stop being in the connection if a person feels like it is their calling in life to let you know that you are deficient or bad or not good enough not hot enough not tall enough let not uh com like committed enough then they're you're just not their cup of tea and you don't have to be there anymore including your fucking parents <laughs> um, another thing that came to me in the download is um, without someone's permission to enter their video game so like if this vampire relationship I was in if he without my conscious permission if he sort of comes into my video game and comes into my lane and starts criticizing me about who I am spiritually or what I'm doing intuitively, or something that doesn't directly affect his video game, and he just enters that, then we start reflecting each other's video games, and it's almost like there's like a glitch in the video game, and I start reacting as if I am him, as if I'm abusive. So I take on some of those narcissistic traits because he came into my video game. He came into my lane, and the only way I like know how to get him out and know how to protect myself is to start playing his game. Yeah, I'm wondering if that's what the echoing thing. I can't, somebody sent me like, 
And this is why I just want to get away from the word narcissism altogether. Although I feel like people who come out of these relationships and they don't, especially in the twin flame community, there are a ton of people that when they tell me their twin flame story, I'm like, oh, honey, you're just being narcissistically <laughs> abused. Might be your twin flame. I don't know. It's a, But like. Sometimes it just helps to put a name to it. Yeah. As healing None it. of these things are facts. They are just like qualified. Like, it's helpful to have like and then you know everybody's like well i don't want to get away from labels we will eventually get away from labels but we're like trying to like like enmeshment codependency the old model of doing things to me like energetically feels like brambles just like oh we're just have brambles coming out of us and they're bound to each other and we have to like so we have to go through and cut all this stuff out and it is helpful to have these like like qualifiers these labels is what I'm looking for it's a kind of like it's a and it's okay to honor the role of the people who are in your video game you can give them a label in your video game and that doesn't mean you're defining them for all the world for the rest of their your their life your life it helps you understand your video game better if you know who is putting what energy where into your life and you can call out to it and then you know what to manifest and what to get rid of I remember the first time I went to someone and was like so I was sexually assaulted uh last weekend by this guy who's kind of a mutual friend and I was telling this girl this and she was like no he's so nice to me that's, that's not possible. Fuck. He always helped me with my homework. He always picks me up after school. Like, he's really nice, so that's not possible. Who's someone else? Someone can be a role in your video game and a completely other role in someone else's video game, and you can't control that. But that doesn't mean that they weren't a perpetrator to you. Yeah, that's really interesting. It kind of goes back to the new map, the external enemies thing, where it's like... As we get deeper into this, I think we're going to find like more and more truth to the the everyone who's playing a role in our life is like we ask them to play that role to further our soul's development, which is a very macro way of looking at things. Now, of course, there's nuance and everything that I'm talking about that I don't immediately say, but like, um, I, I saw a meme with a lot of the stuff that I had said, not that it came from the stuff that I said, but these are not like new spiritual ideas necessarily where the, the spiritual bypassers throw this at things like white privilege. And um, it's hard for me to explain why, why there's nuance there and not in your personal uh, relationships in the same way. And part of that is because everything's about an energy exchange. It's about a balanced energy exchange. And there's nuance and discernment and all these things involved in the energy exchange. And the more we tune in to, like, what do you feel like when this person comes into your life and talks to you? When a person talks to you and they're abusive, typically when they leave, you'll be confused. You'll have doubts about yourself. You'll think you're the bad guy. A lot of time people start feeling it in their body. And you can, in the readings I do, I'm like, okay, so you had this awful exchange with this, your partner. Where do you feel that in your body? And then I ask them, where have you felt that in your body before? Because oftentimes we're recreating these roles based on wounds we've had before. But because of cellular memory, we'll hold it in the same parts of our bodies. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, this shit's so fucking so deep and complex complex um 
And then we have the larger scale societal things where there is just a massive imbalance between um, white people and everyone else between straight, you know, like between the, the, the straight white cis community and everyone else. And those energetically need to be balanced out. Um, but also they need to be balanced out from a place of wanting to restore balance right? and not from a place of guilt and shame or a place for looking good as a white person. Uh huh. A lot of that. Um, so this is the, so there's something I, I call like clearing out the energy. Cause I, most of my readings are getting people to stop doing things they don't want to do. And the reason for that is if you are doing something, you are in a relationship that you don't want to be in because you want to look like a good person, you've convinced yourself that you're doing it because that's what good people do. But when I really dig in, nine, ten times out of ten, it's, um, it's not that you're doing it because you want to do it because it's good. You're doing it because you can't fathom people's reaction to you not doing it, which would reveal to everyone that you're bad that's a terrible energy to live your life from you're not going to be able to create anything else that you want from that energy but sometimes I can tell when I'm doing a reading for someone that they actually really do want to be with their partner or they really do want to be at their job but they have indulged in so much like guilt and shame like they've just attached themselves to that um, obligation. So, and like jobs, this happens a lot with jobs where someone's talking to me and they're like, I want out of my job. I hate it. It's this, 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 and this, but I can feel in their energy. They actually have a passion for this job, but something about the debt that they got from their student loans or something about their parents' expectations or their spouse's expectations makes them feel trapped there. And so they can't even get to the core where they actually want this thing. And I'm like, you have to play the tape forward on leaving. I think there's a like an 85% chance you're going to stay, be, but you're going to stay from a place of wanting to be there. People do have to do this sometimes with the relationships. People get so caught up in the you owe me this and you owe me this that they fuck up like actual good relationships. They toxically fuck those up. And then, or you got someone who's like an avoidant. You know, he really loves this person he's with, but that avoidant shit has been like deactivating on their partner. And they kind of sometimes do have to go away for a minute to realize like, oh, fuck, I wanted that. And then they come back from a more pure place. So that I call that clearing the energy. I want to give some examples of how one action can come from different places. Um, I cook dinner almost every night at this house. I like to cook dinner. It's really good. I like to cook the food. I potentially have, I have like food allergies and it's a pain in the ass for anyone else to cook for me. And I might have a little bit of a control issue around, uh, cooking. The f- I don't know. I just like, like to cook the food. I was a ho- I was a, ho- a suburban housewife for a long time. I know how to cook food. I like, it's not fantastic. And I do make you sit through me telling you what I fucked up when I made it. <laughs> But I like to cook dinner. When I start to cook dinner, I notice everyone circles around sometimes or when they're eating it and is like, should I help you right now? Are you like, uh, do you want me to, do you want us to cook dinner tonight? Whatever. And like in my head, I genuinely am cooking dinner because I want to cook dinner. I don't cook dinner and think, 
everyone better thank me for this. I don't <laughs> think, um, oh, I'm the only one to cook dinner. If I don't cook dinner, nobody else want to cook. Now, I've done that. I've definitely been in toxic relationships where I wasn't cooking dinner because I wanted to cook dinner. I was cooking dinner because it was, I was, it was an energetic exchange. I wanted an excuse to be mad. I was trying to get them to pay attention to me. So I was cooking dinner. So they'd be forced to pay attention to me. Um, you shouldn't be cooking dinner because you want to prove your worth because otherwise you feel like you're not worth like worth anything. Cause that will ricochet back. Not because you want to hold someone's ho someone hostage. You should be cooking dinner because you want to cook dinner. And in that energy exchange, I cook, and I, when I don't feel like cooking dinner, I don't cook dinner. I don't give an explanation for it. I don't like make any, like we can just not have dinner. Everyone can fend for themselves. I'm just like not thinking about it. Right. But I've definitely been in a position before where cooking dinner was like, it was a weapon cleaning. I clean cause I like to be in a clean space. And when I don't feel like cleaning, I don't do it. I don't clean and fucking slam things around and huff and puff. I have. I have done that before. It makes me feel like shit. makes everyone else feel like shit. So this is, the, this is, you can cook dinner and be cooking dinner for 20 different motives. And only one of these, are you going to be happy in the end? That's the other thing is this stuff's about your happiness. Yes. This is how you get happy. Doing what you want to do. You're not a good person because you cooked dinner. You're a good person because you are a good person. Whatever you decide to do is good. People, we there's a bunch of us living a bunch of different lives, all up against each other, not quite as up against each other as we used to be. People are going to get hurt because of your actions. That's just going to happen sometimes, and it sucks. And you have the, the ability to apologize or ask if you can make amends. Sometimes it's unavoidable especially if people's feelings are attached to decisions that you made. You know, this person that I didn't want to have in my daily life anymore, their, their, their feelings were, you know, they feel like I'm ruining their life. And it's like, I like, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want to do that. And that I just, it, I like, I have my own reasons for why it makes me feel uncomfortable and I don't want to have to tell you them, but uh, I can but I get to decide the landscape of my life. I get to decide the cast of characters of my life. That's, that's the thing I get to do. And I'm done 10 years later, 20 years later, 40 years later, deciding uh, what to do because I'm afraid of looking like the bad guy. And so this is just about letting yourself off the hook a little bit, letting other people off the hook. Another thing I want to get into, sorry, I haven't shut the fuck up in five straight minutes. Um, Part of the reason that we need to believe someone is the bad guy is because otherwise we get overcome with this like crazy guilt about, and you can hold space for both of these things. You can be like, this person is a good person and they are just hurt. And that's why they did the things that they did to me is because they are unconscious or hurt or feel like I owe them something. And, uh, but what they do, the way that they behave, the way that they react, um, has a, negative effect on me it, ha it like it affects what happens when you have people around who are criticizing you telling you that you're bad telling you that the wrong thing it fucks up your entire perception of your reality and who you are it changes the character that you play in your life and that's why you don't have the things that you want in your life because you're manifesting from a place who's of, of believing that you are deficient therefore those people have to go they have to go find someone else to criticize they're criticizing themselves in the mirror anyway they have to find someone else to take from 
And that doesn't mean that they're evil. That doesn't mean that they are, like, we don't have to diagnose them with anything. Doesn't mean they are universally a vampire. They can go out and have a million great experiences with everyone else. But in the role in your life, and I know some people who just, everyone that comes into their life plays this role. And it's like, I think you should get everyone out of your life for a minute while you figure out that wound that is, is begging you to have everyone do this. But once they're, like, the fact that they're wounded and coming from a painful place and this is just their reaction to childhood, whatever, is not a justification for you to let them to continue to treat you bad. You can show them that empathy and then put them on the other side of the gate of your life. So it's like, yes, I love you. I care about you. I wish you the best, but I'm picking myself in this situation. And like, you have to go because you just keep like, for whatever reason, I'm asking you to play this character in my life. That's the other thing. You can know that you are asking for people to play a character from a galactic standpoint and also not allow people to be abusive towards you. They yeah. don't need to be a, a you, like none of this is black or white. It's about here is the landscape of your life. Everything in your life is written by you somehow. And it, 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 even as simple as it's written by you because you're letting it stay. You got a mom that can't can't stop shitting on your dreams and telling you that you're not good enough why is she still here why is she still in your life yeah people are gonna think I'm talking about my mom my mom's not like that but this I do so many readings for people that I'm like it, the energy comes up immediately and I'm like who's this person that tells you you're bad and not good enough constantly which parent is it because whenever they're that present you you sent me into a total trip the other night because we had this conversation of my vampire and you being like, dog, you were being criticized. This was draining your energy. And I'm like, yes. And then I was just like working through it um, for a day or so. And then you looked up at me and you said, do you want to be bad, Lacey? Do you want to be bad? And I was like, oh, fuck. Am I making myself bad in my intimate relationships? And it just was a question that was looping in my head for a while. And the answer was, yes, I have been making myself bad in these relationships or the bad person or the monster because that is all I know. That is the most comfortable feeling. Whenever my mom was like on some sort of bender, I was bad. I was the problem. She'd rip me out of out of bed by my hair. I wasn't allowed to go to school. I was bad. And then she would be nice to me afterwards. There was like comfort in even the being bad. And you want to know something triggering is feeling good. Having someone like you just cook dinner and say, I'm cooking dinner because I want to. You don't have to do anything. And we just talk while you're cooking. That is like wild to me because I am not. Good is scary. Good is really scary for me. So I'm having to do this huge reprogramming. I have never felt this much love in my life. The love I'm getting from the soberish community, the love that we all share in this house right now is being for autonomous beings and I feel like every day we wake up and I don't think it's like necessarily consciously intentional but I feel like we all find these different ways to be like nice to each other 
Yeah. And it just like <laughs> rotates back and forth. And I don't think anyone's like, oh, well, Nate was nice to me yesterday, so I got to do something great today. It's just this this good flow. And to me, that is the most dangerous because I, I know how to survive in chaos. I haven't had to survive in peace and love yet. Um, I've wanted, it might be good to do everyone in the house but I've wanted to do an interdependence podcast with Mark just to kind of get into some of it's it's a very different feeling relationship but I it's in the friendships and everything else but I for me friendships have always been a little bit easier and I um I I withdraw so much when people are demanding of me that family stuff like kind of keeps a little bit more of a natural balance for me because I'll just ghost if you're like push too hard on me. I'm pretty avoidant. But in the relationship with Mark, we've had to have some conversations where I, uh, in the old model would like the statements would be like, you aren't giving me enough, whatever, or you are like, blah 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 and what I've noticed is that I don't know how to just be comfortable being loved and so I'm constantly looking for evidence that I'm not being loved and it's like a thread on a sweater and I've ruined good relationships pulling on it I would have ruined the relationship with Jason but Jason just saw it for exactly what it was early on and was like do you just need to get your blood pumping or something and there were some like you know in, in retrospect, some not perfect, you know, I was extremely codependent. He was kind of the kind of person who's perfect for someone who's extremely codependent in that I am constantly trying to prove my worth and like work tirelessly to show the whatever. And I'm like sensitive to like sensitive to criticism, criticism, not sensitive. Like, like you can just like, like you used to be able to, or I, was example I used if you told me bitch clean the kitchen I would be like go fuck yourself but if you started cleaning the kitchen loudly I would just get up and start cleaning everything like I'm I'm sensitive to the idea that someone's mad at me and so you can kind of steer me around I don't think that was a conscious thing but there was some of that in there but largely it was a great marriage and there was no fighting and um but at the beginning I tried to pull those threads I would see like a, a slight change in whatever and I would you know, well, you said you were going to do this. And he was like, and I changed my mind. And uh, this actually just makes him sound like a dick. But there were several times where I was like making my attachment shit his problem. And he was very like calm and communicating in that, but like very boundary setting. Like, okay, we're not going to do this. I'm not interested in a relationship that's toxic, a bunch of fighting, everything else. Like, let's like unpack here what's going on and you know that can be dangerous you end up in a relationship where you never speak out for yourself but a lot of it forced me to kind of focus on like okay I guess I do kind of pull threads and I just didn't have a ton of of uh issues with him but then in the next relationship I spent I read into a lot of things that had nothing to do with me and I ran with it and I was fucking miserable. I made him fucking miserable. And you know, if I had just regulated my own happiness, taken responsibility for my own happiness, set boundaries and respected his boundaries, we would have been a lot fucking happier. 
So this really is kind of like a key to finding happiness is dealing with your own thing. And at the core, I just fucking forgot what I was talking about. At the core, it's a discomfort with love. It's a discomfort with intimacy. It's funny in like December, I said that in 2020, I'm going to have to choke down someone loving me like eating raw chicken. I'm sure Mark loves that. Um, Cause, and I thought that that meant like I was going to deactivate or whatever, but instead it's just a general feeling of like uneasiness. Yeah. When people love me, it feels like they're going to hurt me soon. It, there is like a scared feeling in it. And we end up defining ourselves as survivors so much, like overcoming something, overcoming something. And it's like being able to rest in it. And jo- my twin would tell me, um, You're, you have insomnia. Like you have all these like physical issues. And I started really believing it until I got here and I've been like sleeping great. And my body's been relaxing and flowing. It's like, oh, I was just in a vampire situation. Why is someone telling you that you have insomnia? Well, because I wouldn't sleep for four days in a row. Yeah, so I think I feel like what I wanted to get into in this podcast was that the labels don't matter as much. We don't need to determine so much. I think if you were in a relationship... This is like my parenting philosophy as well. When I learned, when I went to school to be a hypnotist, how many, of the, am I going to finish any of these sentences? Um, I went to school to be a hypnotist. They said there's two things you have to take out of people before you have to like reprogram in people like almost universally. Number one is to stop clearing their plate because we were forced to clear our plates as children. And um, a plate at Applebee's is like 200 times the amount of food you should be eating. And the reason that you unconsciously keep eating it, even though your body is screaming, please stop, is because we were forced to clean our plates when we were kids. So I don't, I don't make my kids eat when they're not hungry. Um, and then the other thing is you have to program, you have to deprogram out of people that they are innately bad because most people believe that they are bad. And that is when I was a kid, I don't know about when, I think we're done doing this now, but they would say, you're bad, you're being bad. Rather than like, hey, this decision that you've currently made not like is having this effect, whatever. We like classified children, defined them as people. Also, when kids are they talk a lot, we define them as that. When they are shy, we define them as that. But these kids are like changing rapidly. And so I think overall we want to avoid anyone who defines us and who tells us that we are deficient. Um, I'm sure on the the flip side of this, we're going to talk about people who beef up your ego, but like people telling you that you are bad already pings against underlying like trauma that you're trying to heal, which is probably why they're saying it to you. And it has a profound effect on your ability to create art, on your ability to chase your goals, on your ability. Like people are like, I don't know. I just don't feel like anybody wants to hear what I have to say. And then the longer we're in the session, I'm like, well, you have a boyfriend and a mother and a sister who all repeatedly tell you that you're not good enough. And Yeah, and it's like an algorithm, right? So when you start clicking or interacting with people who are like, you're bad, then you start getting more ads that are confirming you're bad. Right. And then you click on those ads and then you get more situations that are confirming you're bad. And then you can start reprogramming it and it's scary and it's hard. But once you start accepting love from different friends or outside sources or just 
even starting and just saying, I love you to yourself, you're rewiring that algorithm. You're clicking on a different ad that's going to lead you into a different portal where more love comes. Another thing that's interesting because I can feel like the resistance to some of this is like we're so fucking afraid of anyone being left off, let off the hook. This is all this residue Christian garbage bullshit. All of this hellfire, all of this Jesus needs to save you fucking bullshit. When you finally realize that you're good, you can actually be good. You can actually do good things. You're not being led around by the whims of other people who are just trying to hide the fact that they also believe that they're bad. And you can actually make effective change. This is something like sometimes I... I deal with guilt in areas of, I don't know, because I have that like wrong side of the tracks identity. And as I've like gone through life, I have created things for myself to where I have, I have things that I didn't have when I was young and I like uh, hacked money. And, and sometimes I feel like, well, I've left, you know, like I'd rather just be over there on the other side of the tracks with people that I feel comfortable with. I don't even like the fucking people on this side of the tracks, you know? And it's like, okay, well this is not productive. So we're just sitting here, um, financially comfortable, feeling guilty about being financially comfortable, do something with it. Right. So like guilt is shit. You don't do anything. It's like you could, you could actually change the, the paradigm. Know that you are good. Know that almost nobody is innately bad. We want to we want to give so much patience to our abusers. Get them the fuck out of the way. They can just go talk. Like I I don't have to hate you. I don't. I hate almost nobody. Honestly, I hate almost nobody. And if almost. you, pr- pretty yeah. much nobody. You if you look at my whole thing is if you're punching me in the face, I'm I'm going to remove you. Yeah. And I'm probably going to make fun of it for a few minutes because you did hurt me. I get over things very fast and anyone from my, who's been in my life or is close to me watches. If you, if you're punching me in the face, I'm not going to let you do that for an extended period of time. Um, I'm going to remove you and I'm probably going to talk some shit cause it's I, who I am, but then I'm going to forget it really fast, way faster than you're going to forget it. Right. And then I'm going to move on. And if at any point you want to come back into my space and not punch me in my face, you're going to get a second chance. There are people in my life who've gotten third. It depends on the ranking of, of whatever, but like, I'm not going to let you punch me in the face, but I'm not going to like convict you or indict you for the rest of your fucking life. I'm not like that at all. We I'm, don't have to retaliate on people. When we leave people, then they are alone with themselves. And people, when you, when someone is hurting or being a predator to someone, that is hurting them too. And just by removing yourself from that situation, they are left with what they created. They are left with their video game and they have to figure out how to navigate through it. The truth always reveals itself. I used to always want to be on a PR campaign for myself. Yes. Every time... And it's kind of the vampire trait that when shit goes awry, they go around to their friends and family and really just tear you down completely. And I wanted to go to everyone and be like, I'm a good person. I did this in 2015. And then 2016, this happened. And I have like a catalog of what I've done right. But the truth is, is like, we are both in our separate realities. And the best I can do is be kind and loving to the people I am with now to enhance the video game I am in now. And it's always evolving. 
Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. I mean, I've definitely and I've definitely done all of these like everything I talk about somebody else doing, I have done to someone else, you yeah. know. And don't get me wrong, there's still that sacred rage there that I'm very angry. But the thing I'm so angry about is I go back and forth of fuck, did I allow more abuse to occur? I'm supposed to be a healer. I'm supposed to create this safe, magical space. And then I allowed more abuse to occur on my physical body and emotional body. And I have like some grief around that. But I think the more I go into that grief, that grief is beautiful. Because when I was a child, I could not process the grief that was happening with my dad and my mom because I didn't understand what they were doing. But the grief that's happening from the relationship I was in my 20s, I can process that. I can understand that. So that grief is like a door that opens up all the grief I've experienced. And now I'm somewhere magical and safe in Tennessee where I can really experience that grief to go through the tunnel and come out the other side. I love this. Ultimately, we have to fall in love with ourselves. And that sounds so love and light, bullshit, whatever. But ultimately to get to the place where you are creating the reality that you want you have to love yourself you have to believe that oh fuck dude i was i was watching the leftovers you guys watch the leftovers one thing i've noticed is how no longer desensitized to violence i am on tv because i don't i don't watch tv anymore but i had to get like mark had to watch the leftovers so now i've been watching it with him but um jason and i watch tv every single night in the in the video game where i was a suburban housewife <laughs> And um, there's 20 starts to a sentence. But there is a scene where someone is, let me see, is this a spoiler? No, you won't remember this in that crazy show. But there is a scene where someone's trying to come back from the dead. And they have to get through this thing. And he says, well, why should you get to go and not any of us? And he said, because I deserve to. And it was so powerful. And I was like, that's the key right there. That's the key to everything in your life. And the thing is, when that guy said, and not any of us, any of us, it wasn't that they didn't deserve to. It was that they didn't know that they deserved to. They made the decision about themselves that they didn't deserve to. This is the key to everything. You have to love yourself. You have to believe that you are worth happiness. You have to trust yourself that if you do exactly what you want to do, if you do exactly what makes your heart sing. Now, listen, if it makes your heart sing to get on the phone and call someone who loves you and cares about you and tell them everything that's wrong with them, you might need to get some help. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> when I'm saying what makes your heart sing, what isn't crossing over into other people's boundaries? And that includes helping people was the thing I was really trying to hammer home. Getting, treating people's autonomy with some reverence, you know? So like, I don't, yeah. I don't assume that everybody wants to be a free person anymore. I used to do that. That thing you did to your brother with the target thing. God damn, am I guilty of that so many fucking times over. I, to me, autonomy matters more than anything else. To me, being free to make my own decisions, uh, not having a day job, you know, not, not having to answer to any, and I've spent my entire life like, 
when I do have a day job, it has to be something like waiting, ta- something autonomous without a bot. Like, you know, if you're waiting tables fast enough, nobody can tell you what to do. I cannot fucking stand being led. A lot of people want to be led. A lot of people want to be led. And I project my fucking, like my ideal onto them. And then I'm always just like, break free of this. And they're like, I literally <laughs> love this. They're like, I created this. Yeah. I just realized people are I uh, this is a kind of a controversial statement but like with my brother he is where he wants to be he might come to me and complain about target and he might even say fuck target or I want something different my job then if I want to only if I feel like I can hold that space is to literally hold space and let your friends complain if you want to hold space for it that doesn't mean as that you have to strategize and change everything right then to save him. I spent my identity thinking my life and my identity wrapped in, I'm going to save my brother. I'm going to create a good life for my brother. He doesn't have parents. I'm going to be that for him. You can hold space for someone suffering and having a range of emotions without trying to change their reality. Yeah. And uh, I've gotten... Cause sometimes I can't tell the difference between venting and wanting my help. And so I've gotten, uh, better. Uh, sometimes I race in and do it. And then I'm like, are you asking me for help right now? Like, do you want, do you want my two cents? Do you want my input here? Do you want me to help you untie this knot? Like, do you want to hear it from my perspective? I've started saying just very recently. Cause I realized that like, just cause I can see a solution from my perspective. I get so triggered. Um, when people say like, well, just love yourself, you know? And I, I couldn't figure out like why that's so triggering for me because I'm like, I work in self love, yo. Like, and I feel like I love myself right now. I am sure a lot of people could look at my video game and some would say that I'm totally full of self love. And some would say I'm very self deprecating, but the truth is I love this version of myself right now. But this version of myself is only one of probably thousands of Lacey's. And there are still Lacey's on other timelines and within myself that I have never loved. That nobody else actually ever loved. There's that five-year-old Lacey that I, you're at a five-year, as a five-year-old, you're not, you don't have the skills to love yourself. And if your parents aren't loving you, that five-year-old is still in you and comes out and does crazy shit sometimes. And that, so I'm learning to go back into timelines within my own scope and go talk to the five-year-old as my higher self now, as a guide now. And by bringing healing to that five-year-old brings healing and more self-love to the Lacey today. That's so interesting. I want to do a whole episode on self-love and how that is like actionable and how, because people are like, how do I love myself? It's like, you show yourself love, treat yourself how you would want to be treated. Self-deprecating is interesting because I say a lot of self-deprecating shit and people take that as, but that's like ultimately self-love. What I'm doing is I'm acknowledging my faults. I'm not hiding them. They're not in my shadow. I'm saying them out loud. It's like magic to me and I don't really know how to explain it. It is. Well, first of all, this is a trick I learned um, having been a young woman in her twenties without teeth and someone who has <laughs> been, uh, someone who grew up in the nineties and was way like overweight by the, the standards back then. Um, if I make all the funniest fat jokes and all by far all the funniest teeth jokes, and then you think you like, I was taking people's power away from them. Cause I'm like, are you going to make fun of my teeth? Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I already made all the good teeth jokes. So now you just look like a fucking hack, which is like, it was like a, was a, um, you know, protective mechanism. But it, in the last few years, I realized how many things I was embarrassed of or like things when they pop up in my head where I'm like talking and I'm just like, I haven't shut up. I haven't finished a sentence. I haven't whatever. Rather than just like letting those things like talk out loud, I just crack a joke about it. And then like, I know it, you know, I know it. It's not a secret. I, there's not a fuck. My critical companion can't like gnaw away at it in my head. We reflect what's in our body. And once you joke about it, you get it out. You're literally having a physical reaction that's cr- that's causing laughter. So you're transforming it in the 3D. Like you're transforming it to something else. Yeah. And that was my, that's my thing with like why I share so much of my personal life on podcasts and stuff. Like when I was going through the codependent revelation last year, it, I was so filled with shame. I was so, I felt like an addict in a basement shooting drugs. Like I felt so gross, so humiliated. I thought I was the only one like this. And I, I like had to get it out on the podcast and it was like, it, I had to get it out of my body. And then when I said it, I was just like, well, I'm just going to have to accept that everyone knows these awful things about me. And like, they're not going to like me as much or whatever, but I just have to do it. And what happened instead was thousands of people were like, Oh shit, me too. So I do know that kind of wiring under the board, but like everything that I share publicly or say out loud, uh, especially self-deprecating jokes and stuff, it's not coming from a place of hating myself. It's definitely not coming from a place of needing you to reassure me. It's nice of you, but I like um, most of the things that I say out loud, like I'm, I'm accepting those things of me when I'm saying it. Um, yeah, it helps us experience the worst timeline so we can choose a better timeline. I had so much shame this last month um, because the person I was in the toxic relationship with used to always build me up as like, I've never met anyone as magical. I never met anyone who could like tap into people's energetic bodies and feel it in their, feel it in their body. Or he'd be like, you need to start a business and you can change the world, blah, blah, blah. And then as it started happening, he really reinforced the idea of like, you're not healed, Lacey. You're bad. You're crazy. You need to do what you're telling other people to do. And all of this, this like fear talk. And I started taking it on for like, I tried it on for like a day or so. And then I realized, actually, I'm doing readings for an amazing community where we all stand together and and we all recognize how fucked up we are and how amazing we are and how beautiful we are. And I don't come to the table to heal anyone. I come to the table for us to hold space for our faults. And I think by you creating this podcast and saying I'm the person screaming in the corner drinking my piss, you, sh- you show us this beautiful reflection of our own faults or our things we're full of shame about and that we can still find beauty in it and the fact that I'm a part of this community and hearing people's stories it like makes me want to cry right now and I love you for that and I love this community for that I do feel so fucking spoiled uh (laughs) and it's it's I cannot fathom that this is no one has to pretend to be good everything in spirituality before was this like pretense of like this is how you do it these are the rules and we're all going to be good now and I feel like we're all vibrating in this way of like okay this energy is not feeling right 
for me right, right. now. I'm affected in this way right now. And asking for each other's uh, permission and not talking shit about each other and just holding space in such a beautiful way, even if we make mistakes, we are able to sit with each other in our mistakes and in our own healing. It's crazy that like judging people and I'm uh, quite sanctimonious and I'm quite self-righteous. I would say my primary character defect would be self-righteousness, which is crazy because I I did drink my pee. Um, (laughs) I, something I noticed in, in 12 step programs that they're not good for me because anywhere where I can just get in and there's like a set, there's a standard of things and I just like master it and then I excel at it. And then I judge everyone who's not doing it exactly the same. I just 15 years ago, I've grown up quite a bit since then, but that is something I noticed about myself that I was like, it was a really gross version of me. I do have a tendency. This has changed a lot in the last few years, but that is, that is definitely a tendency in me to be like self-righteous um, I have a life experience and like heal past the life experience. And then I'm like, why haven't you done it yet? I don't do a lot of, I would never, that's one thing I was like 22 when I was like, Oh, we're all capable of everything. And when yeah. you say I would never do that as cause you are begging the universe to give you the opportunity to do it. Yeah. So I'm not often doing that. Also, I already have is probably more accurate for most life experiences, but, um, I, uh, don't remember why I was telling you that I can be self-righteous, but that's definitely something I have to constantly keep looking at in myself. Anyway, you are all good. Everyone is good. The fact that everyone at their core is good does not mean that they're always going to act good. Sometimes people are acting like an asshole to you because it's something for you to learn. None of that means that you are obligated to have people to let people have access to you or your energy if they choose to take it treat you bad or convince you that you are bad. People who are on a mission to convince you that you are bad or you are deficient or you are not doing anything right, that's their thing to go work out for themselves. If you were doing that to someone else, you have to get to the core of why you're doing it. Most likely it's because you're trying to get something from them. You probably are their vampire. doesn't mean you are a vampire. means you are their vampire. And the cool thing that happens when you acknowledge and finally let yourself off the hook that you are a good person, you can just change. You can just be better. And maybe the person you've been vampiring, now that you've realized that you've been vampiring them, isn't going to let you change for them. And you're going to have to move on with your life and remember that connection and how you could have done it better. But you get to move forward and never do that again. That's the cool thing about this game. It doesn't matter. If you are a narcissist, this is the question you're asking yourself, am I a narcissist? Maybe you've, you've, you've been on the spectrum. Uh, if you are a full-blown, you would not be asking yourself that. But have you, have you been uh, someone's b- vampire? Probably. I think we all probably have. Are you currently someone's vampire? Yes. Today? All right. You get to not do that tomorrow. Yeah. And it's vampires aren't being nice to themselves either. And it's, it's just always in our best interest to be kind to ourselves. 
like I have a habit of being like, oh, I was bad then. And then I beat myself up for a few weeks. That is nothing. It's always in my best interest and the world's best interest if I am extremely kind to myself, if I am treating myself as if I'm holy, if I'm giving myself comforts and things that make me feel relaxed, that heals the world. Absolutely. Um, Where can people find you? You can find me at LaceyFree.com. And while I'm here, I'm going to start the podcast, Pod, H-O-A-R, pod, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you should see me trying to word. spell my address. <laughs> Listen, uh, trying to spell my address for the, um, uh, and I was like giving them the wrong address. I was giving them an old address. And so I was like, it's 23 Hendrix. I don't spell that. And then I go bridge, B-R-I-D-G-E, drive, D-R-I-V. And I was like, Jesus Christ, you fucking not good. Yeah. And a good herb for what we're talking about today is milky oats. Milky oats has more magnesium in it than anything else you can get naturally. Uh, I might be saying that wrong, but it has a ton of magnesium in it. And witches use it to be restored after feeling sucked dry. To give you your life back. Very nice. If you want to suck me dry, you can. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take that out. (laughs) If you want to book a reading, it's jessareed.com. If you want like a tarot reading and you you have no questions, you just are like a general tarot reading, please save yourself money and book a half an hour. I'm very quick with the cards. And uh, there's just not enough happening in, in like... I'm getting a lot of people that are just like, I don't know, whatever, which is cool, but like stop spending so much money on that. Book a half an hour. If you want to get into something like untying a knot, more of a, I fucking don't know a way to word it. It says the hour sessions are for like, if we're going to get in and find a block, heal some trauma, like, you know, work through some shit, untie some knots, book an hour, please stop spending all your money i seriously we can get it done in a half an hour if you're just looking for a general what's the energy reading or whatever if you want to join the patreon the patreon is where you pay money for extra content some people think the patreon's where you get readings for five dollars a month you get two at least two bonus episodes of soberish a month sometimes you get like other episodes that are like this will probably be a preview on patreon and then it'll go out on the main i don't know i don't want to overcommit. Um, for $10 a month, you get the two bonus episodes of Soberish. And then I do a live, like I do like an energy reading. That's usually a live. Sometimes there's cards, usually not. We just talk about whenever, whenever, whenever there's, it's about one a week. Um, whenever there's a big energy shift, whatever we get on there and talk about it for $20 a month, you get, um, we do like live chats where, and you get all the other stuff. And then you, we also do a live video once a week where live stream where you can ask questions. So, um, that's what Patreon is. That's patreon.com forward slash. I like hate, uh, explaining this stuff. Cause I feel like I'm asking you to do it and I don't like, you should do whatever you want. I don't care. I like really don't need it. But like, um, I feel like a lot of people don't know what Patreon is. So that's how that works. And it's just a monthly subscription. Um, Also, I don't know. The next set, the next alien school will come out when it's done. 
I'm, I love that you guys are so excited about it, but I, I throw a lot of content away. If it's not good, I just don't put it out. So we've tried a bunch of them and they just haven't been, we haven't gotten it yet. So it's not coming out yet, but we'll put it out when it's ready. And, um, that's it. <laughs>